Welcome to Old Town New World. We are at the Mercantile in downtown Rock Hill where we are talking about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. Small Town what? USA, that's what it is. Yeah, okay. Are you going to count it off? No. Okay. Chris and I are at the Mercantile in downtown Rock Hill, South Carolina, or should I say Old Town, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Mercantile is super cool place, two-story, historic building, amazing store. We're going to learn more about it. And our guest today is the owner and manager of the uh, Mercantile, and uh, her name is Brittany Kelly. Welcome, Brittany. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We really appreciate you you being on. So um, I've known about you for a long time before we actually met. I remember um, when I first came back to Rock Hill, which would have been in 2003 or four. shortly after that, I think that you and Michael were doing a store maybe over on the other mm-hmm. side of town, yeah, which I'd love to learn more about. And um, But now as downtown Rock Hill is really starting to take off, I mean, you guys are, are at the heart and, and potentially the heart, you know, of this, of this downtown. The energy's great, space is great. So we're looking forward to learning about it. So before we get into all that, let's start with just where you're from. I'm from here, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Okay. Um, born and raised, almost six generations, both sides of my family. Oh, wow. So okay. that's why Rock Hill means a lot to me and making progress and change. Yeah, that's great. Six generations, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very good. So what would be the name that would be have gone back through those generations? Uh, Comer, Russell, Brooks, Carol. Okay, all those names, a lot of Rock Hill going on there, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. the Comer Distributing Company, you know, that would be my family, my great uncle, and um, Russell Brothers Grocery Store was my great-grandfather, so I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Yeah, entrepreneurs that were part of building Rock Hill. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so, so, so... When, back then, when I first met you, you you guys were doing a store over on um, Herlong, that side of town. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. What, what's your story? I mean, did you get out of high school and decide to open a store? I mean, how did you get <laughs> to that point? Yeah. Um, I, you know, honestly, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17 years old. Graduated high school early from Atlanta and decided to come back to Charlotte and do school here and ended up meeting Michael. Um, my mom and my grandmother owned a gift store here in town for 30 years. Oh, well, what was that called? Um, it was the House of Wicker, also elegant. So it's actually where our first spa used to be, Bel- uh, Blue Day Spa on Ebenezer. Okay, wow. So it was that big white house. Yeah. Um, and so I just felt a huge draw to that. And we did the spa there. And around the same time, we opened up Law 13 which was a store to start off with. And then if everyone remembers 2008, the economy decided Mm -hmm. to die on us all. And we had to pivot very much so like COVID. And we ended up adding a bar inside of it. And I remember (laughs) that. And y'all had wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were a great wine bar and it had really sexy concrete countertop. It was beautiful. My cousin used to go there uh, frequently. She'd like to relax there. You Mm -hmm. remember Heather Laughlin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know you my, guys were cousins. Yeah, she she's was in my here cousin. yesterday morning. Oh, no way. Yeah, oh, I love her so much. She's wonderful. She's my cousin. And uh, she, used to, she used to love y'all's place over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had that. Phil, that's where we met old Phil from. He used to sit out there and read Harry Potter on, oh, with nice. a bottle yeah. of wine. Nice. <laughs> old soul Phil. We, oh, yeah. Phil's an awesome dude. Um, <laughs> I forgot to say Silent Mike is not here. Silent oh. Mike is sick today. So, so Silent Chris is talking and doing recording. 
Well, I, I will say this. It's it's a it's good to get a break from Silent Micah just chattering on and on and on. <laughs> he does not shut up. He does not shut up. Why is he called Silent Mike? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's complicated. <laughs> That's part of what he doesn't shut up about. Yeah. <laughs> he talks about how quiet it is all the time. It's really obnoxious. But um, so Chris is behind the mic, so he's having to flip it over. And and uh, have you ever heard of the triple Lindy? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, he's basically doing a triple yeah. Lindy every time he's talking. So if I sound like I'm too close to the mic, then that's why. Yeah. But you know, whatever. It's not weird. You're not paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, both of our audience people are they like Chris, you know, up close. Chris up close was yeah. the name of the podcast. That's the name of the fan club. Yeah. Dot com. Okay, so y'all had a spa on Ebenezer. Do you yeah. still, you don't have that anymore, right? No, we sold it. I think 2009. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then um, y'all opened that. Uh, it was it was kind of a cool store slash wine bar thing going on, and then the economy hit in 2008. Yeah. Kind of came through and killed everything. I remember seeing after that, I remember seeing Michael doing real estate. Yep, Michael got into real estate after that. First, he went to Durango Bagel and rolled some bagels for oh, seven bucks go. an hour hey. just to keep our family man, afloat. I hear that. Dude. So, yeah. amen to a man who will do whatever. Just yeah. Man, I this <laughs> I isn't going to mean a lot if you if you're not from Mark Hill. Listen to this, but oh my God, do I miss Durango Bagel? Yeah. Also, where Silent Mike used to work. Wow, you know, a friend of ours in school, uh, the Scovels, Mabry Scovel, her family brought Durango Bagel the. To Rock Hill, the chain to Rock Hill, and they ran and owned it. Elizabeth Scoville and Mary Scoville and that crowd. Well, God bless them. I know, yeah. I know. It was, Some it good was years. Good. Yeah, good years. Yeah. Some good damn bagels. Yeah. <laughs> and chicken salad. Yeah. Got me through my pregnancy. Pickles. I hear that. Yeah. yeah. You know everything. Um. So yeah, we had that. Then we opened up a Montessori school. Really? Did interior what? design. Opened up a Montessori school? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of slipped that in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was not by On choice. So we just kind of ended up the last parent standing. <laughs> Is that after you had your child? Yeah. And you have a daughter? We have three daughters. Three daughters? Whoa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Wow. How old are they? 16, 13, and 10. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She's a, she beat you at daughters, man. You've only got one. I know. But I didn't get zero, so. But I don't even have a Montessori school for mine. <laughs> well, we joke. We, we say, like, we started life out with this relaxation. I was a massage therapist for 13 years. Right. So we did that, and then we had kids, and then we needed a bar to drink. And then yeah. after that, they were old enough, and we needed a school. Yeah. And now we need a store to, like, yeah. support their habits. So we just create <laughs> stuff that's happening in our lives. Right. Yeah. Right. I love the causation. Maybe that's why it's failed every time. Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> th- we, so we had kids and so we needed a bar to drink. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's Facts. Right. Cheers Facts. to Jack and Diet. Cheers. Hey, amen. <laughs> Cheers. By the way, thank you so much for this wonderful mountain candy beer which you carry here in, yeah. I, I think it's called Jackass Cafe. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. It, which is in the mercantile in the store and it's downstairs and upstairs which is super cool. But um, so... Coming, COVID hits, coming out of COVID. Y'all had already opened before COVID. Y'all already opened, what, the furniture store? Yeah, we opened in 2018. Okay. So life was great. All right, and then all of a sudden. And then 2020 hit, and we were like, not again. This cannot be happening. But that was one thing we learned from the last business, right? And that's what I always encourage entrepreneurs with is that your mistakes and the lessons you learn pave you into what you can be today, right? And had we have not gone through any of those, we couldn't have been as prepared as we were for 2020. And we had decided that we would be what I like to call um, just safe as far as our cost point. You know, over there at Law 13, it was probably like $100 average ticket. 
everything was super high end. And here we try to keep everything at like 30 and below. Okay. So they okay. can be those impulse buys still, you know? There you go. Um, yeah. and, and that kept us afloat. Now, um, when y'all opened over there, so um, for people that, whether or not you're familiar with Rock Hill or not, but um, you can relate to this, probably seen it somewhere in the country. Um, over there is a revitalized kind of uh, old textile mill. I, I say over there because it's on the other side it, of these. I mean, it literally is the other uh, side yeah, of the track. Other side of the right. railroad tracks and other side of Dave Law Boulevard, which is like, you know, was turned into a four lane because it was like, oh, let's speed people through this area and have them never stop ever, you know. <laughs> That right. but that was like eighties development, yeah. right? So or let's have the train tracks stop for four hours a for day. For four hours, yeah, which is controlled by somehow it's like anybody you talk to is like, Well, we can't do anything about that. The railroad companies control yeah. that. It's like they bow their Apparently heads and like, don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> let's not impugn the organization at Norfolk Southern. Yeah, right. Beyond reproach. Exactly. <laughs> we so, tried. So um <laughs> so uh it has created a divide, like a you know, just a cut the city in half. I mean, mm-hmm. for decades and decades and decades. I mean, for 60 years, you know. So as as the downtown is revitalizing and and these halves are starting to to come together, it, it's just an, it, an impassable truth that there is a railroad track there, that there has to be cars there, that they have a yard here and have to back them up and move them around, and that there's that big highway that's kind of scary to cross. Right. But on the other side of it, there's all this revitalization happening, um, mil- I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars of public infrastructure being put in the ground, things coming up out, you know, parking garages, hotels, uh, sports facilities, all kinds of stuff happening over there. Um, and then there's some retail and restaurant. It's like struggle, two steps forward, one step back, mm-hmm. you know, and all this. But but tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like that there was at least some willingness from some of the people that own some of that property to kind of create a little bit of a, um, hey, maybe let's open the doors for some entrepreneurs to come in and try to open some spaces and see what they can do with it. Mm -hmm. Is that the experience you had? Yeah, absolutely. In the beginning, in fact, Michael and I tried to buy that whole building. Um, We had this great idea, kind of what we were doing here, right? But then you start to see in how big of a space it is. And um, Gary Williams ended up getting that building, um, which is the best thing that could have happened because we couldn't have put you know, the hundreds of thousands into it that needed to be um, invested into that. So we were gracious enough to get one of those first three spots. And it was really great. At the time, I sat on the placemaking board for the city. And I remember leaving a meeting and they were like, you need to set up placemaking, which for those that don't know what placemaking is, you know, just bringing the community together to sit outside, draw attention to the area. And I remember leaving that meeting and ordering all the outdoor patio furniture I could. I'm like, we are going to do it, dadgummit. Um, but then it was like the second we started doing what one side of the city said to do, the other side of the city was like, hold on, you need to pull permits for this outdoor festival or you need to do this. Um, and then we, we got some flack as well from the other tenants and the landlord at the time. And, you know, that just, it started to, in the beginning, it was incredible. And it was so cool to come out there and drive past on a Friday night and see all these people just sitting outside of downtown Rock Hill. And I was like, this is it. We finally are getting somewhere. Um, but then we just it kept getting shut down. And that's why we decided to come over to this side of town. So when you came over to the tracks there, and into- which I'm sorry, we should be clear. So it's it, it's like right down the street. It's, it's very cool. Oh, I mean, it's, it's yeah. yeah, but it but it seems farther away because of the psychological divide of the tracks and that Absolutely. road. And so, you know, just like, you know, when when I go to Charleston, I could walk miles 
But since everything's contiguous, I don't think about it. And I it's just probably like the South walk. Abroad, North Abroad reference, right? right. Yeah, like because, it's two different yeah. worlds. Exactly. And so we're we're trying to overcome that, but there's just this uh, physical divide and and therefore the psychological divide. But but, <clears throat> um, you know, what I always go back to is is that if policy that, that policy has such an impact on the way the private sector can deliver um, back, you know, kind of back to the public. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to sit in a meeting and admire you for taking risks and 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 say you oughta, you oughta, oh, they oughta do, they oughta have more food trucks and they oughta be, they oughta be open more and they oughta be. It's another thing for the person like you to actually take the risk and do it. And then it's another thing that like you run up against the policies that are cr- that are being having to be enforced because they're law right. and they're written in a way that discourage the very things that everybody's telling you you ought to be doing right, to begin right. with. I mean, there's almost three or four parts to that. You know, you've got your public interest who's like, you guys need to do this and you should do this. And why aren't you doing this? Um, and then we're like, well, let's try it. And we try it. And then you also have the economic side of the city who's, you know, pushing all this urban revitalization. And then you've got, a whole nother side planning and zoning and whoever else it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah. we've got planning and zoning laws in place for this. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw up a tent without getting permission and can't just put a food truck up anywhere without making sure they have business licenses and stuff. So there's a lot of different sides that go into it that I don't think everyone completely understands. So we just, we try to skate through it. Sometimes we ask forgiveness rather than permission, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's, it's the way you have to do it sometimes down here. But it is difficult because it's like, I I experienced this sometimes, you know, we had this marketing company, right? Revenflow. And and so like often the marketing director hires us, right? Because they're excited Mm -hmm. and they convince the CEO to hire us, but they haven't talked to the CFO or the IT department. You know what I mean? And, and, and all this. Whoever handles insurance. Yeah. And then the insurance (laughs) and the the attorneys and the attorneys don't like our contract. The (laughs) IT people don't want us to touch any of their websites. And the, you know, CFO is concerned about the cost, you know, and, and it's like blocker, 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 blocker. And I want to, say to the marketing director, why don't you go put all this together? Right. Like, why do I have to? Right. And so the small business faces that in a city. I mean, you know, you got the downtown people that are trying to revitalize, excited that you're having a open mic or something. Mm-hmm. Yet. But we got a decibel meter to check. Yeah, right. Right. We got to have the noise off by this exactly. time. I mean, and it's, you can't have amplified sound. Um, you know, so it, it's super tricky, but then, to expect us entrepreneurs and small business owners to be the ones to take the time to fill out, you know, 12 page applications, and navigate, and all that. navigate it. And no, we don't have time as it is. Yeah. Right. Have you, have you guys ever seen the movie Footloose? Yeah. It's all about this. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> Maybe we should show that on the uh, wall outside. Well, actually, Except Rock- you got to get a license to show that. And it's yeah. about $500. Man, I'm telling you, Rock Hill's not too far from uh, Footloose. Like if you go back far enough, because I remember when I was a kid, and I guess I'm going back pretty far because I'm 47 years old. But when I was a kid, kid, and MTV was invented, mm. like Comporium decided, and I, I have love and respect for those guys. But they they got to sit around and decide yes. whether the, all of uh, the rest oh, of us man. got MTV yeah. or not. And they were like, you know, we've weighed it and decided. We decided no. It's so funny. Y'all don't get MTV. I mean, Comporium also had a place on their application where you had to fill out if you were 
living with somebody or sleeping with someone you weren't married to. Oh, that was a question no, on the application. I hear it Whoa. still is a question on the application. Oh, wow. That's yeah. I've been I've been here my whole life. Wow. There were definitely people uh, who were living with people that they were not married to yeah. when I was a kid. Um, also, I want to point out we when once MTV eventually did become like okay and sort of like the cultural wave of like we accept this like hedonism. When that happened, it was exactly the era of like Carson Daly and yeah. like NSYNC and stuff. And so, when, yeah, when all the sin finally hit Rock Hill, it was just Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's too funny. I wasn't allowed to watch it. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was still like the black and white fuzzy screen. So at night, you could just like kind of oh, see it. Kind of not. Because yeah. like when we you pick up it. like a porn station. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's un- a completely unfamiliar. Yeah, I, think, I, I think that's a boob. <laughs> I think that's a boob. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going with that's a boob. <laughs> I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't know any other thing about the scrambled porn and video and recording it. You don't have Listen, for that. Listen, that lawsuit was dropped years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> but anyway. that's, a, that's the that the, yeah, scrambled porn comes up on every episode of this show. Oh, I'm just wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> it was the title of most of them. <laughs> it's my favorite dish at the local breakfast spot. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna make a dish tonight. Scrambled <laughs> porn. Just wait. Give me a week. Wow. <laughs> it's done. <Wow. laughs> Oh, wow. I think it's weird how uh, a bunch of like things have adopted something porn just to mean like I'm really into this. Yeah, thing. like food porn. Like food porn. Yeah. yeah. I think that's like just strange. I, my, I'll be honest. Yeah, my brain still yeah, does that simple. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, like uh, I, think, I, don't I don't think that means what you think it means. Like I want yeah, to agree. the Princess Bride. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that means what you think. You keep using that word. Yeah, you keep using that <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, I think that's a okay. bit of a digress. So if if we've digressed, then can now can we talk about the ghosts that were at the other mercantile site? All right, let's do oh that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so as soon as we moved into the mercantile, we we knew something was going down. They had to I mean, there was no electric or water or anything over at that location. So they had to pull up all the floors, which, by the way, all the floors are just sitting on coal ash from the railroad. So if you don't know, there was a railroad that went behind the building and in between us and Williams and Fudge. Mm. So they dug all that up. We found some really... Pause first. I'm sorry. Did we talk about the history of the space? Because I don't think we did. What is the history of the space first? It was built in 1890. And it was the cotton warehouse for the Carhartt factory. Um, so this would have been the building that you Carhartt, like Carhartt. Yeah, like the Carhartt. Like everybody yeah. wants to do Carhartt yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so we had a scale in the building. This this is where farmers would have brought their cotton. They would have been weighed. They would have been paid. The farmers would have been weighed. In their yeah, car, hearts. yeah, with their yeah, with their <laughs> carrying their cotton. <laughs> they were bashful about it. <laughs> um, they would have been given their dime well, or nickel or whatever. I came in to get weighed on Sunday. <laughs> I had me a big breakfast. Don't judge. <laughs> Somebody used to tell me they'd water it or something before they'd come, so it weighed oh, really? more. Yeah, there's funny. lots of little stories. Okay, wow. Whoa, interesting. Boy, there's everything. There's a weird little story. Yeah. Water in the that's weird. And that's Is over it? There. You wouldn't have thought about that? No, I'm saying I. Out of a couple oh yeah, I, no, I, I I will very quickly be dishonest and scam people. <laughs> that, so that's what we we call them old dishonest Chris. <laughs> dishonest. Here come old dishonest Chris. Watch out. Um. Okay. So where were we? All right. So that's where you would have brought your cotton, weighed it, gotten paid, and heading out. So Dodd, who is almost the seven foot black guy. 
um, would have gathered your cotton, taken it to the back, bailed it, all that good stuff. He also apparently ran some moonshine out of the back of there. Um, so we would have interactions where like our Apple watches would just go completely dead, even though they were charged. Our phones would do the same thing. Stuff would fall over off the shelves. We'd go back and replay huh. the video footage. There'd be nobody there and just so you're a whole shelf. Like you died? Is that where you're going with this? Well, we so just stop interrupting. Damn. Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I so don't question Dodd. Energy's going on, and All at the, the time, next episode of, <laughs> of Ghosts in Old Town. When you walk to the back, it was just very like cumbersome. Cumbersome. Somebody standing over you, wow. feeling right, and you just feel really weird and creepy. I hated being there alone. Um, in the front, however. It wasn't that bad. It was just kind of like your grandpa's there watching, but one of our girls... So if y'all have ever been there, our offices used to sit upstairs in like a fishbowl. It was all glass upstairs. But you'd be working on your computer and in your peripheral, you'd see like shoes sloughing by. No. Yes. And you could describe them, right? But wow. when you look, there was nothing there. Well, finally, one day we You're were... using your ghost eyes. Right. <laughs> um, so about six months into it, the fuel show up, the, fu- the fuel family from Rock Hill... Yeah. And they're like, have you seen our dad yet? And we're like, what? I mean, like, never. how old's your dad? Because this guy is pretty old. He's probably in his 70s. And he's like, oh, man, we know. We used to keep, there were three spaces, and they, each brother, fuel son, rather, got a bay. I mean, when we first moved in, there was a boat in there, all sorts of crap that they had been storing. Bruce Willis was in there. We were like, well, you got the to Anderson leave. buggy was in there. Oh, what? Yeah. The, the one, one that they have at Williamson yeah, Park? Yeah. That was in there? Yeah. No way. So, um, and we had Crazy. it in our store for about two years until, I mean, it just took up so much room. Yeah, so we're like, you got to come get it. And also, I don't want to be responsible for it. Yeah. But they found some really cool artifacts and stuff. Well, anyway, they come in and they're holding a picture. And immediately the girl who's working for us sees the picture and was like, that's him. That's the guy that paces back and forth from the front door. Yeah, she recognized him. From the ghost. Yeah. And so then they were like, well, these are the three ghosts we have. This is Tut, this is Dodd, and this is Ed. And it kind of explained them. They told us that Tut was kind of the drunk, and it made sense because dust off at night. They turned their... Uh, TVs off and they'd come back in the next morning and all the TVs were on. So apparently he was a prankster, but we just got into the habit. We spoke to him every morning. Um, we said, hello. We said goodbye. We had a medium come from Ohio and he walked in and he, and we didn't tell him anything about it. And, he, and uh, as soon as he walked in the front door, he's like, whoa, there's some major male energy wow. here and they do not want me here. Um, which makes sense because at the time we didn't have any guys that worked for us. It was just us women. And I think they were, they like protected us. Honestly, we're a little sad. I have, we've been researching how we can bring them over here with us. They say wow. get in the car with you, but including Tut, the the guy who likes yeah, to party. I mean, it's a jackass cafe. What a better place yeah. for him. Right. right? Yeah. I like, well, I like a ghost who knows how to party. Well, I can say this about this place that from my perspective, this place is clear. Uh, yes, that was great. <laughs> this house is clear. <laughs> yeah, we haven't really had any experiences here yet, which is unfortunate because I love a good This day. is also an old building, right? It is. It was built in 1924. Not as old, but creeping up on, oh, or maybe young. 1925, that's, yeah. We're creeping like, up on the 100th year. That's, that's nuts. That's long that's enough like to have ghosts, old. though. That's like yeah. brand new. I'm sorry to silent mic. I'm because I'm pivoting to myself. There's going to be a little bit of microphone cable noise, just so everyone understands at home. 
watching, listening on your simultaneous. <laughs> so, I mean, 1924 is a very long time ago uh, for this building. Mm-hmm. Um, and Do you know what this building was? No. So this was the um, second location for the Coca-Cola Bottling Company. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's why um, downstairs the floors are actually painted red, which we found under about four inches of dirt. Oh, wow. Um, and we started to pressure wash and realized it was red, and we just were like, stop, leave it. That's cool, man. Um, so, these, yeah. The, the hardwood floors on the stairs. The so those are actually from the old location. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You brought those over? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, we had to take a lot of wood up from, um, you know, to put concrete in in certain areas wherever we built walls. So there were weren't stairs to come up here when you came in? No, there was actually an elevator there. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was oh, like a, a lift. Big, like a big lift. Yeah, a yeah. big lift. Um, and they had taken it out because the new owners of the building were going to lease the front up and then the downstairs separately. Okay. So then when we came in and wanted the whole thing, they were like, God, we just took out the elevator and the lift. I'm like, oh, dang man. Yeah, damn. That was there, was awesome. a, there was a staircase over in the corner over there and then the lift right where those stairs were. So Okay. So y'all put in those stairs. They're beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. thank you. Yeah. Well, this place is just beautiful. I mean, it's, it's like a... Um, it's like an anthropology that's local indie and cool. You know what I mean? That's exactly what we're going for. So thank you. Because oftentimes we get people say it's Cracker Barrel. And I'm like, what the? What? <laughs> those people, those people are ill-informed. <laughs> I never in a million years. They do have mimosas now, though. They do. I saw that. I saw the uh, billboard. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the billboard that said that Cracker Barrel now serves mimosas. Do you guys want to go get hammered drunk at Cracker Barrel right now? <laughs> I mean, if it's biscuits and mimosas, yeah. why not? And get, go, and they, play the triangle game? Oh, dude. Oh, oh man. I'm, I'm an ignoramus <laughs> like every, every freaking time. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know that slamming mimosas is going to make you better at it. It might. It might. Maybe that You don't game. know that. While running this store, you know, it's a retail store, and so you can come in here and buy stuff. And that's the, the business model, I guess. And there's the, the, the cafe, and cafe serving coffee and has some nice beers and uh, wines and different things. And so that's your, you know, revenue points. But you also have kind of a social cultural role that you're playing mm-hmm. uh, that I think is really, really wonderful and, and important. I'm sure it's important to your business model, but I'm, it's probably important to your heart and, and mind. So, like, for example, you guys are behind orchestrating the, the Pride Festival here in Rock Hill and, and, and surely other things as well. Uh, that's the thing I'm, you know, more familiar with. I, I don't know what all you do, but talk to us about kind of two things. First of all, just what you're doing socially, calendar-wise, you know, energy-wise, and let's get specifically after that in, into Pride and, and mm-hmm. what that means to you guys. So, so first of all, calendar-wise, talk to that. Well, let me tell you first why social justice. Um, okay. For those that know me know, so I moved from Rock Hill in the fifth grade to a place north of Georgia called Cumming, Georgia. Um, Oprah actually did a segment on it. The KKK still marches there to this day. Wow. Um, there hadn't been a black person that lived there in over 75 years when I moved there. Wow. And I started to realize like, oh my God, there's no black people in my class. There's no 
black people in my grocery store and the restaurants. Like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, it was almost like the Twilight Zone. But at that age, I mean, I was almost 10. Yeah. You, you don't really think too much about it other than I missed all my friends from here at York Road and they didn't look the same. Um, but we would write and I've shortly figured out about Oprah. She was on TV one day. My mom watched it every day after that and got to hear that conversation of why um, you know, they were just racist and they really thought that, you know, they were going to destroy a town. Wow. Um, and they had pinned a murder on a black kid, um, and ended up hanging them in the square and everything, yeah. um, 75 some years ago. And never again did anyone else show up there. So I moved back here with a passion for social justice, equality, inclusion, all that good stuff. Got super involved into politics in the Obama eras, um, like most kids who were pretty energized through that time period. And then it just was like you wanted to make change. Obviously, I tried Washington. That doesn't work, yeah. FYI, for anybody trying to make yeah. change in Washington. So the best way to do is start local. Um, and I started reading to kids um, in elementary school, and then we started the community fridge um, and then obviously Black Lives Matter movement happened. And then that's when we figured, you know, you can march all day long. Nothing's really going to happen. Um, but we started a Merkin Power program for black entrepreneurs, women. It was that's a free cool. space that they could come in here and try their business out before they, you know, dedicated their time wow. to a space and paid $25 a square foot. That's awesome. man. So it's those little ways. And then pride just became a huge deal. It for some reason, it kept creeping into my life more and more. I mean, friends, family, my own kid, um, you know, is one of those teetering on the line of not sure what their pronouns are and all that good stuff. And we're just here to encourage the ride, right? You know, like, you do you. We yeah. don't care. Um, so it really made it push that to the focus of our lives. And being from Rock Hill... You know, I feel like it's it's our duty. It's our job to it's, it's right about the time the slogan Rock Hill for All came out, which I was like, bullshit. Right. <laughs> We're definitely Rock Hill for some around here. We used to laugh about uh, when, no when, for yeah, yeah. No for, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's sad when you look downtown. I mean, obviously, we worry about things like gentrification happening and. That's inevitable in a growing city, but at the same time, I feel like we as a community aren't doing anything to prevent it. Right. We're not doing anything to encourage black business owners downtown. Um, so it, it just kind of became one of those sticking points for me. Um, and so now here we are at Pride, and it's one of my other big sticking points, and it seems to be the main one because the city feels like they've already righted their wrong on the no room for racism, right? They've they've now got the exhibit. Um they went on Oprah and did the big apology. They've uh, reversed all the sentencing. Um, so I feel like they think they've righted that wrong. Sorry to interrupt, but just for our, our listener, if he's confused, um, let, let me say uh, what the Friendship Nine thing was. So like back in um, the 60s, um, the there were some guys that, that, you know, people were getting arrested. Uh, black folks were getting arrested all over the country for going in and trying to sit at a counter in a you know, place where they're not supposed to sit and not supposed to be fed or whatever. And um, because segregation laws are all over the South, at least, and they would arrest these folks, and then the NC, uh, the NAACP would come and bail them out, and that money would go to the local town, and that would be revenue for the town, and they started figuring out, well, damn, we're just we're just generating revenue like for the very beast that is destroying us, and so they they said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to jail and we're not gonna get bailed out, and then we'll become a burden of the state and of the city, mm -hmm. and they'll have to pay for us to be in there 
And all of a sudden, it will become a problem. If we fill the jails with people and and they can't afford to you know, mm-hmm. pay, then it would force the issue and all this. And it started in Rock Hill and it spread all over the country. It was called mm-hmm. Jail No Bail. It happened right here on Main Street uh, at the counter. It's called the counter restaurant now. And it was the uh, that traditional counter is still in there. And so that's what, uh, just to jump in, just to clarify what you're talking about, mm-hmm. about how Rock Hill kind of owned that publicly and mm-hmm. addressed that issue. So please mm-hmm. continue. Um, exactly. And so that's kind of where I feel like we're at with pride now, right? Like I feel like in 30 years from now, we're going to be trying to right this wrong. I'm like, why can't Amen. we just do it now? I mean, this is social justice, right? And it's civil rights. I mean, it's one and of the same issues that you're saying somebody that's born for who they are can't just live everyday life. And I always think about like, who, who is the person that looks at the video of the, um, the like black girl being walked into school as oh, yeah, a child, Ruby Bridges. and the like spitting like yeah. white person is spitting like yes. literally spitting hate and, and knowing they're still alive today because Ruby Bridges is still alive. Yeah, yeah, knowing that white woman somewhere is somebody's grandmother. And who thinks like, oh yeah, she's she knew now what was we know going why yeah, they right. don't want to teach critical race I know, theory, yeah, right? Exactly. Isn't yeah. critical race theory? I know. I would hope no one feels that way, but. The internet has gotten pretty good oh, at gosh. spinning things. No, you're right. I mean, some some people probably will find some weird logic to it, but but and but and, just, and also for ad revenue for well, the pre roll. But just to viscerally, <laughs> if a child looked at that videotape, mm-hmm. they oh, would yeah. they would say, "Oh, look, a shy child is walking," and "Oh, look, a." Freaking ass, crazy, wild, animalistic, it's hateful creature. That's, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. The, the, the sort of obviousness of it's it. It's so yeah. obvious, yeah. And that's the beauty of kids, right? Yeah. I mean, like, the kids don't see this stuff. They're definitely taught this. And, I mean, I wasn't raised that way. Um, my kids aren't raised that way. So sometimes you have to get – you have to explain these things to them. And they just – can't even comprehend why go ahead i was gonna say so and i think that's it we should point out here that while being from southeastern united states comes with a lot of baggage um i think the three of us for sure have a unique perspective in that we can see the sort of positive side of things which is often very hard to see especially now that it's become so profitable to sort of jack up the negative side of it and stuff. So yeah. I want I don't know. I think, I think the three of us maybe have a unique perspective in that way. We can see what's the goodness, you know? Right. And I think that getting out of Rock Hill for a hot minute or expanding your worldviews is what helped me. I mean, I was raised in one of the most conservative evangelical homes known to mankind. I mean, I couldn't even say crap or heck. I mean, like, whoa, it was Sorry. bad. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. We were at church three times a week. And I mean, it wasn't, there was no exceptions. I mean, unless you were vomiting, you did not miss church. Right. And we prayed before every meal, but, and to this day, my parents are a little, what are you doing? (laughs) They get the twitch. Like, do you have to be so loud about your issues? I mean, they don't really agree with where I'm at. Um, But I think that's, that's the whole part of it. And I think so many people here in Rock Hill maybe haven't gotten out of town. I mean, you still, I mean, look at so many kids who graduated here, going through yearbooks and stuff, and it's like, wow, you never left, which is fine, but at least expand your worldviews, read a book, watch some movies, travel. I mean, that's all I can encourage people to do, to learn about other religion and other cultures. And, I mean, just, you know, the whole when 9-11 happened, watching that go down here, what a nightmare, right? And, 
across the world how um, Muslim people were treated. And even still today, Jonathan Nazir that has Victory Gardens, you know, he sits on a lot of boards and he's like, I can't really tell people that I'm Muslim because they won't donate to me. Mm. They think I'm a terrorist. And it's like, what? Yeah. Well, I, you know, this is me um, being a little bit vulnerable, if I may. I, I, it took me a long time to be able to admit. And I, and I felt like I was really progressive and definitely wasn't racist. And like I was doing, trying to like, you know, not be privileged or arrogant. Like just trying to, you know, be as cool and positive and and. But it, it took a long time to where I could actually say that this country is built around white supremacist kind of notions, that the idea that there's there's people, meaning white people that are Christian, and then there's the other people. Mm-hmm. And that, that is so pervasive in, in the institutions and in the kind of normalization of whether it's media or commerce or whatever it is, so pervasive. That it really is that, like I still right now I still like I mean I'm like worried that the microphone's here and I'm and I'm mm-hmm. saying the term that there's a white supremacy that exists mm-hmm. in this it's so hard for me to say mm-hmm. I've been taught that that was like I mean I'm not Hitler right. you know what I mean like right, yeah, I mean right. of course I'm not Hitler but I mean but it it exists I mean there exists this kind of like but anyway I no I get it I would say I'm I I'm part of a sort of a micro generation that had my issue was more that sort of idea of postmodern that like South Park thing of like, well, of course this stuff's not an issue. We're so smart, whatever it is, my parents and their parents dealt with, we've lapped ourselves. We've, we've, we're, we're so over that, that none of it matters. And like when I was a teenager that me and my friends felt that way, it's like, right. we're like in this post society because we can Agreed. make fun of it, that we're beyond it. Yeah. Right. But, and it was a yeah. big, huge wake up call for me mid 2010s yeah. that I was wrong. I was a very wrong. We are not over it, yeah. you know? Well, in fact, yeah. I feel like we're going backwards sometimes. Exactly. Well, yeah. actually, a lot of that's happening. Yeah. I mean, there's a it's, lot of people scary. on the attack. Yeah. But, but think about any any cornered rat is going to freaking like claw and bite. So, like, I think what's happening is, is that. I like that. That make that gives me hope. That saying right there. Okay, good. Thank you. Oh, very much. So. And historically, there's no such thing as as giant leaps forward that don't have massive pushbacks. Oh, it's as the way it is. I mean, the, the if you think about it, like as the as the institution recedes, the more radical it will become. You know, as a new normal normal happens, that is more inclusive and looks varied and doesn't have as much privilege bundled into one group, that one group, which still is the dominant, like, you know, controller of of commerce and things and power, will get more radical as they retract, you know. But I feel like we were... We were somewhere in the 90s, right? Like, we were growing from this. Oh, yeah. Garth Brooks had a whole song about right. about accepting <laughs> homosexuals. I mean, Chris and- Gaines also did. <laughs> you know, they're best friends. Oh, really? I did not know that. I, I Man, I do not associate Chris Gaines with Garth Brooks for a second. Yeah, I didn't either. I had to stop yeah. and think for a second. But, I mean, I felt like we, we were going somewhere, and then it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know, in the 2000s, there you know, I mean, maybe it was Obama. Maybe it was having it, Honestly, I and I don't want to sound crass, and, and I don't know anything about anything, but when, when there's a buck to be made and there's power to be had from exploiting anything, 
someone's going to pick it up and do it. And the internet also crashed a lot of that. I think what's bothering me is they're winning right now, right? Like we're banning books out of libraries. How does that actually happen? That is really crazy. Um, It is really, really, really crazy. I mean, and, and, and the irony... And Roe versus Wade, uh, how yeah. did something that passed so many decades ago, yeah. how can we be revisiting this? Like, I, that was something I was always told my whole life. Like, don't ever yeah. worry about that. That I won't know. happen. And the, and the whole irony about, like, the, the con- like what I used to appreciate about conserv- conservatism was the, the notion of small government. Right. And I, I appreciate it from a perspective of, like, a both a punk rocker and an a entrepreneur, like, I didn't want the damn government involved in what I was doing. Right. And so I, where I could find common ground with a real conservative person who was socially conservative, and I wasn't socially conservative at all, but where we could find a common ground was this notion of limited government. And now the the folks that seem to would have, you know, hung out limited government as their flag are talking about like controlling who, who people love, what people say, what books, they what they read, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what they have access to, what yeah. they see, what yeah. they're taught. It's like, how is that limited? Like, right. It's crazy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if you're banning books in libraries. You're the like, bad guy. You're, but that's very true. But also, you're, you're also playing like dollhouse because like yeah. all information is I mean, ubiquitous. You're like. Because pre- you're creating your own media. You're creating your own. But spot. actually, dude. The, but it's the, also you're playing dress up because it's just not. libraries are at are access to the internet more than they are books to a lot of people. Yeah, I just, I guess my point is, I just feel like the idea of banning books is very much playing dress up because it's like kids, information is ubiquitous. I, I mean, know. kids have information, they I can know. get access to whatever they want. And, and if a kid is like getting, if a kid wants to go to a library to get information, that kid has like already suffered through a lot of thresholds to get there. That kid's going to get the information. But, but what I'm saying is yeah. that now there's this movement to close libraries and, 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 and as as old school and funny as a library is to me, who has a privileged life where if I want a book, I buy it. If I want to go on the internet, I just get on it. Um, a lot of people use the library for access to the internet and different that, that's things. That's true. Well, let me tell you something yeah. about libraries. Terry Roosh, y'all know Terry, yeah, just did a documentary on libraries throughout South Carolina. And let me tell you, here in York County, because our city council and our county council doesn't see the value of it, we are lacking so far behind. Like if you go to the Blythewood Library right now in freaking Blythewood, South Carolina, <laughs> they have a whole department where you can rent film um, equipment, to record studios, they have podcast rooms. Damn. They have all sorts of stuff. And that is the bit you can rent tools from the library. Well, we have a microfish machine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with that now? Yeah. That's that's one of my favorite words, microfish. <laughs> and it's like do you, mean, do you mean fish? No. It's me, it's Mario. The, to me, the library should be the hub of the community, right? Yeah. You should be doing events out of there. And, so y'all and are do. that though, right? We are, and so is the library. Like, they do some really incredible stuff, but they don't get the credit for it, and nobody really knows. It's like the same 20 people that know about it. Yeah. Like, just last week, we hosted a Puerto Rican dinner here and had Miguel Rulon from the city, who's from Puerto Rico, come whip up this amazing meal based on this one book. I know him. He's awesome. Yeah, he's incredible. And it was such a cool event that the library paid for 50 kids to participate in. That is so cool. And they got to take home a little cooking pot and... I mean, it's just like, how do we get people to recognize the importance of a library in the community? It is yeah. where most of our homeless people reside all day long. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
It's where so many college. Well, you know, I mean, I, I hate to be conspiracy theory sounding, but like, you know, increasingly the middle the middle class has been taught to um, make the poor be their enemy, and it's so weird. Like a lot, of, so much of the middle class came from poor. Like my parents were grew up poor, and and then they became very successful in their later years, and and they are being taught every day to um, kind of hate the poor or like the, the poor is the problem. Um, and so when you have this kind of social teaching that, that, that the, these people are a burden and they're, and they're such a problem, you know, that, that's such a cavern between where you are and where, mm-hmm. where that person might be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I don't know where I'm going with this. But. And also to understand how one day, I mean, I think being entrepreneurs, we know, right? One day you can be great and the next day you cannot. And Dude, it just I'm takes- I'm on the edge of poor, <laughs> like <laughs> freaking <laughs> always. Yeah, right, always. Same. I'm like, yeah. oh, what are we paying I'm like, today? I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, I'm on the I'm on the 51% of, I'm on the rich poor line. I'm like surfing on the crest. <laughs> and you everybody thinks we're loaded. Oh yeah, they're like, oh, they're loaded. They're yeah. loaded. Revan Flow is totally like the Millennium Falcon. Like it always <laughs> makes, it, it, it always, it always, we always land it. We always make it. We always land she's it. She's got it man. where it counts. Yeah. She's got it where it counts. And I think that's what Hold trying, on, to get, <laughs> trying to get people to understand is, I mean, running the community fridge, we see it every day. We feed over 250 people a day. Wow. I would say that most. I want to hug you for that. Oh, well, it's the community. It's not us, but we keep it. We try to keep it clean. Um, but I would say that most of the people that visit are elderly so you're talking about now people that have either run out of their money, you know, retirement, aren't getting their check. I don't know what the deal is. Um, but so many, I would say, are 60 plus. So many are children. Um, wow. Only like five to 10 are homeless. Yeah. Um, and the others are veterans. And mm. it's really sad when you look at how we treat veterans as these huge heroes yeah. of our of our uh, nation and then the second they need something like health care or it's food really weird or mental how, health how they're yeah. I- iconized iconized by a certain set of our population and yet completely denied yeah. any yeah. help or services it's like kind of same about babies and abortion right like oh, we, you can't have an abortion but we're not going to pay for your kid no, <laughs> once yeah. it's born. exactly yeah and, and it's right. like how do we how do we yeah. fight those battles? Or rather, you know, everybody who's set through an equity training, there's always this analogy that the fish are coming downstream and they're all dead, right? And like you can sit there and try to revive the fish all day long, but who's going to run up the hill and figure out what's killing the fish, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I love that analogy because that's exactly right. Like we should live in a world where nonprofits are irrelevant. We shouldn't yeah. need nonprofits. Right. We should be able to fix the problem from the root of it. And so much right. of that is pretty or, simple stuff. And or and or a nonprofit should be a project. Because think about it. If, if a nonprofit's objective is to is to get to a root and eliminate it, it would be a mechanism to bring together funding and focus to get to a root. And it would work itself out of business as its primary exactly. objective. Exactly. And then it wouldn't exist anymore because it wouldn't need to exist exactly. anymore. And yeah. that's the goal we all but should see, that be fighting. Like policy. And so that brings it, that circles us back around to what we were talking about earlier. Like you you can actually write policy that achieves the end that you want mm-hmm. if you really think about it that way. But it's so perverted by um, noise and mm-hmm. politics and, and people that are intentionally distorting that conversation for, for their own gain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But but if you remove that, you really can create policy, right policy that gets you the end that you want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's possible. Absolutely. Yeah, I got a buddy that does. Um, he goes in. He, he works with um, what used to be called third world nations. I guess now it's more called developing nations. But even that is a evolving term. But he works with nations all over Africa, and and he helps them write policy. Like Americans see that as like, oh yeah, you know, you're working with this sub-Saharan African country. Of course, you need to write good policy, but then we don't apply that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like in in the context of the city of Rock Hill, I mean, you could write right now to circle back to what we we're talking about earlier. There's policy that's been written that is in direct conflict with what the uh, downtown, the strategic person. Plan. Yeah. Their strategic plan. Yeah. Their strategic plan. Their own strategic plan yeah. that's been endorsed by city council. Right. And the employees that have been hired by the city and the objectives they've been given, and they come out to you and say, hey, help me achieve these objectives. And their own policies are counter yeah. to those very I mean, things. I a prime example would be placemaking, yeah. right? Yeah. So the goal is that you drive down Main Street in Rock Hill and you see these people sitting outside and you're like, ah, oh, this looks great. Let me pull over and let's join this, patronize this business. But now, I mean, like the counter had to apply for a permit to put table, three tables outside mm-hmm. that seat six people total. And it's like, why do we not want tables on our sidewalks? We, they should have the freedom. The policy should be that they have the freedom to do that whenever they feel like that there's enough people to do that. I mean, like there needs to be flexibility around commerce. Yeah. And it's weird that there's this like the same conservative crowd that's all about commerce is writing policy that's stopping commerce. Right. You know I mean? Well, because I mean, the way it's been described to me is you have maybe three, four big landlords down here and the city's going to talk to them to mm-hmm. ask them. And they're not in that small business right. world They're They don't know what we struggle with. You know, they don't know that having a food truck Friday at the fountain pulls all of our traffic away now. Right. You know, I mean, I remember when we opened law 13, we were going to come down here Um at the time, I think there was an incentive, $3 a square foot, come down here, we'll upfit your building, everything. Mm. But being from here, we all know, like, oh, you yeah. know, downtown at Main Street, oh, it's just never, ever amounted to anything. And we've always heard that it would, and it just never did. So we gave her along a shot. Um, and I hate that. And we just kept waiting year after year for what was going to happen downtown. And then when that took place across the railroad and all the revitalization over there, I just was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is this is going to be the part, the new part of downtown. Yeah. And this over here is going to die. And then three years into that, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> we just got to take the risk. Jump, the, Jump yeah. the risk. And Well, I think this is, it all has to work and it all has to happen. <clears throat> and it's it's a long arc. And unfortunately, um, you know, this is like the stuff that you you say to city people that you're not supposed to say to the stakeholders that are the small businesses. But here's the conversations that either people are thinking or are already having. If you look at the long arc, the small businesses that come in, give it their all, make it happen. They are the they burn up like fire, and they often end up where those people had to bankrupt and leave. That is the fuel that drives a long arc that gets the city to where they're going, and it sacrifices a lot of freaking lambs along the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way it happens. Mm-hmm. And um, so as a as a private business owner, I guess we just have to kind of like know 
that that's what's going on and then navigate it as Yeah, we, but I don't like that. I don't either. I mean, <laughs> um, I don't either. I mean you look I at Brendan. I mean, Brendan, and you. You know, you guys yeah. have been down here. I think Brendan's been down here 20 years with Mikhail's when he started. And I, I hear him talk about the things, the task he went through to, I mean, he used to hire his own companies to come in and put on St. Patrick's Day yeah. and close down Main Street and hired the whole production crew and everything. And he would put that on, very similar to how we put on Pride. Pride yeah. And then the city came and just took it out from under him and was like, we're going yeah. to the fountain now, right? And you see people... Minimizing risk. That's a minimizing risk move right there. I get it, but... I, I, I get it, but I don't. I'm not justifying it. I'm just explaining. Uh, yeah, 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 I get you. That's the CFO. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we use excuses like, you know, we sat in that meeting. It's parking issues. And you're like, what, 30 parking spaces on Main Street can bring 60 people to downtown? And yeah. a festival like that would bring hundreds, hundreds yeah. of well, thousands, yeah. really. Yeah. And um, I mean, and Brendan talks about his fights and he sat on every board just like you yeah, and and myself. And now it's like, gosh, what's the point of sitting on these boards when everybody just sits around and chats and there's no action? That frustrates the heck out of me. Um, and we're all the people spinning our wheels and taking action, usually taking the bad guy rap. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and mean, you're right. It's just going to burn us out to where I mean, a, a private business can't wait. Like uh, boards, committees, people that are in service businesses, people that are on boards and uh, city staff, whatever, they can they can just kind of serve their time as part of the arc, the long arc. Us private businesses, like we can't, right? We can't wait on that. Like it's either, we're either doing this now or we're not doing this, or like something, right? Or we're going to try and then we have to leave or whatever the case. So so. It all ends up kind of on on the backs of the small businesses, and I, and I think that where the city could do a better job is they need the policies in place that constantly enable people like you to just do whatever the hell you come up with. Because because I other, don't know that they want that. I know, <laughs> but otherwise, nobody's doing anything. I mean, I guess the alternative. So, like, what the city really needs to think about it is this. they need to think about it this way. Either I hire somebody to go freaking make something happen, or I just let Brittany make something happen. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, which and one's cheaper? And my worst is pride. It's, you know, like, yeah. the way that I think they would see me is pride. Yeah. And what a reflection that could be on the city. But yet, they clearly don't know the $1.4 trillion that the queer community spends know, each yeah. year. And I think that's what you have to do is break it down to the city in, in terms of money. Economics, yeah, you do. And... um and 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 unfortunately, there's become such lightning rods around um, some of those social issues that it, it clouds the clouds the conversation. Right. But capitalism was, says that if the money is spent, then know, yes, it all right. bows to that. So yeah, you're right. And and I'm sorry, like we have the community here now. And and here's an even more staggering um, statistic is the very first year I did Pride, I went door to door and I asked every single business owner. Are you gay? (laughs) Yes. Actually, I got the rap that I was gay because apparently you have to be gay in order to oh, support, to support pride. pride. Yeah, well, oh, crap. Now so, I'm gay. Oh, man, I got to tell my yeah, wife. I'll never get Jonathan Nazir coming to me one day and be like, everybody told me to stay away from you and that you were gay. And I was like, uh. You should, yeah, you could explode at any time. That's what happens when you quiz elementary school kids. <laughs> All right. For their opinions. But um, I would say that one in four, I could go back and pull my numbers, either had a gay child. Oh, wow. A gay 
sibling or spouse. Somebody in her family. I'm Garth not Brooks spouse. had a sibling. sister was. That's why he wrote that song. <laughs> He's a bass player in his band. Really? That's why he wrote the song in the 90s. Yeah. Who did? Garth Brooks. His, his oh my gosh, sister that's is, such a fun His bass guy. player is gay, and that's why he wrote that song about accepting gay people in the 90s. Yeah. I didn't know old Garth wrote that song. Yeah, he did the "We Shall Be Free." Yeah, yeah, he's got a verse in it because his sister was gay and was his bass player, That's and she awesome. shreds and she's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna have to go read about that now, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and all of these people are out, so they wouldn't care. I mean, you and then not only are there, there people in their lives that are gay, there's they're staff, right? I mean, right. every business in downtown has at least one or two queer community members. Well, let me ask this, and I could be ignorant on this, but there's no such Wasn't thing gay that. invented like 15 years ago? Yes, brand new. <laughs> brand new. Duh. Duh. Okay, I don't mean to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I don't know. If you look at Genghis Khan, <laughs> Genghis Khan yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you go back yeah. a long way. He did have great shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus wore a dress yeah, and had sure two dads. So. Here it goes. <laughs> Here it goes. <laughs> it cut. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, you better all I know is if you meet Napoleon you better not accuse him <laughs> it won't go tall. well for you Yeah. I mean bathhouses it go, I mean God, it's ridiculous right how far back as as far as we can go back in it's, history there's been proof right yeah, it's, it's like just part of life, life. Yeah. Um, and so it's so unfortunate that we just can't truly be a rock kill for all and actually get behind are that are we moving forward though no, I, I really don't think we are. I mean, even though we won All-American City, and we we put this image on, right? But then it's being stopped at city council and our city manager. And that's really unfortunate because the people who work at the city do not agree. Um, so many of them support us. They come here every day. They tell us about it. But they're, they fear losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrible place to be in, especially for those that are legitimate I love that TikTok. Um, <laughs> that are working there at the police station, at city council. I mean, I I really want to say this because I think it's important. But just last year, two members of the police office were walking down city hall and looked at one of the guys and was like, "Can you believe all these faggots are coming here?" Wow! And he said, him being was like we've been here for a while wow. and you can't fathom that there are Bold people response. that are still in saying that crap saying that yeah. stuff and, 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 and at, work. at work doing that like it's a safe place to yeah, say. yeah at yeah, work yeah. and you're just like and and i can't help but ask them like what did you do what did you mm -hmm. say who'd you go to and it's like who do i go to those are the people who are supposed to protect me and keep me safe. And I think that's kind of like where the whole Black Lives Matter movement yeah, came in. Like, who yeah. keeps you safe if it's not the police? Right. Yeah, that is a real bar. And that's a whole nother damn whole episode and a half and 20. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's just unfortunate. And I wish that our city could come out. I, I was talking to you earlier about our HRC score, and that's our um, human rights campaign score. So every city major city has a human rights campaign score. It goes up to 100. And I think we are at 17. And 12 of those points are simply because we reported a hate crime. Um, but that's having... is not a lot and when it's out of 100. 
No. I just want to, I'm not a man. And I'm not even sure I'm it's 17. It might even be 12. It's been a hot minute since I looked at it. But you I'm know, not I, Dustin Hoffman. I just wanted to point <laughs> out. Yeah, that's not a lot. No, but other cities like Spartanburg, you know, in 2020, they were at like a 32 or so. And then a year later, they're at a 50 something. So it's making strides to be better. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like we don't care. I'd, wow. I'd, I'd love to poll people that would be over that at the city and be like, do you even know what our HRC score is? And I guarantee you they don't. You know, I, I'm the um, annoying um, optimist and empathizer of people in like kind of like just regular everyday jobs and experiences. And it seems like probably most of the people, I'm, I could be wrong, but probably most of the people you know, working over there are good people that, like you they're said, they come people. in here. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're and they're doing a good job and working hard. And I mean, h- how does how does change happen when everybody's just kind of pushing their lever and being a good person? I mean, it's city council; it's voting. Okay. And and most people don't know that our city is ran by the city manager. We are not. The mayor is a pretty face that goes around and, you know, shows up and supports things, and he's great. I will great. say John is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to blush he's when he hears that. Oh, God, is he going to listen to this? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to yeah. hate me for it. He's going to be pretty. Can you please be quiet? Um, but he's wonderful, but he's not the end-all, be-all that most people think he is, right? And it's so important. But he does have, like, magical superpowers. He I mean, he fly. has a vote. He has a vote on city council, and he can fly. And, that's and he like, has a wand. <laughs> and it now turns into a bat. With an amazing, that's not what we're talking amazing about. With an amazing life. And he can punch bricks and mushrooms come out and they make him really big. Right. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Just kidding. I felt like I was playing Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's so important that people realize, I mean, forget presidential elections. Don't forget them. Please don't forget them. Right, right, right. But your but local, local elections stuff, yeah. are the most important elections yeah. that I'm you I'm going to be have. honest. Sometimes I kind of wish I could forget that. Yeah, right. I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> Trust me. It's apparent. I think that we have, um, on average, 14% of our registered voters show up to vote in local elections. That's terrible. Wow. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm voting. It's just I, For local sad. stuff? It's I'm, tiny. I'm voting. Yeah, it's just yeah. Yeah. And I'm, Sometimes I'm like, I don't know who that is, but I guess I'll just pick this guy. Right. <laughs> right. right. But, but I, I um, again, I'm a little bit of a, of a sucker maybe and people pleaser, but like the, the people that I know, city manager, city staff, city council, I mean, I, I, I consider them all, you know, friends and they just seem like nice. All of them? I mean, they seem. Sorry, you almost made me choke. I know, I know, but they seem like nice people. Okay. I'll and, give you that. And uh, even the one that voted against Cherry Park, I don't. Well, I I don't know exactly who that is. But people are <laughs> people don't deserve a park. <laughs> That's kind Especially of how not. Wait, well, you got to have cherries and parks now. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess what I'm. I guess so. What I'm getting to is like, let's say a person like me who is um just na- naively thinks it all all of them are nice people and trying their hardest to do good things. Um, as naive as that is, um, how do I participate in change without, I mean, like, 
what does what does change look like in Rock Hill? Is it is it that there has to be a change of leadership, and that they just aren't going to be the people that can bring about the new future? Or is it a change of minds of the people that are in there? Is it? I mean, what has to happen? Um, this is a whole nother podcast, but I do believe that it's going to unfortunately have to be a change of leadership, and here's why I think that. When you're talking about basic ordinances, like tables on sidewalks, mm-hmm. okay, those are things that city council technically decides. Mm-hmm. And here we are, for as long as I know, at least 12 years have been discussing this. Why is that not important enough to rewrite this ordinance yeah. and this policy to help us local entrepreneurs? And we all know we've been in this downtown revitalization mode for 20 years now, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So why isn't that one of the very first things? Or just like Greenville did, they moved all their office spaces. They offered them incentives to go up, right? Yeah. Get rid of right. office on yeah. the main level. We talked yeah. about that too. And those are things that help build a community. You need retail. You need restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um And I just don't understand what is taking so long. I also feel like we need people like 40 and under, mm-hmm. right? We need people that get Whoa, babies, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I'm babies. for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, or 50 and under even, but <laughs> I, I'm That's better. 40 and under. We need a few of them. We okay. People that aren't, we need people that are okay to with it. live a, in active adult <laughs> community. Right. <laughs> who are not going to just vote on people who didn't watch Perry Mason. <sighs> people that don't afford storage units and assisted living. I don't know. Anyway, like we need people that are seeing what's going on in other towns and traveling and saying like somebody stuck their neck out for breweries. And now look at us. Yeah. We're like brewery Mecca of South Carolina right now and going to about to be even more so. So it's like, how did we get to that point to where all of a sudden it's okay to have all these breweries Mm -hmm. and we're in a town, there's a church every other 10 feet. Yeah. But it's not okay to do other things, right? Like have tables on a sidewalk. How even does Jesus that... Christ turned the water into wine. It wasn't burning. Even, even he did. Like everybody else also did. <laughs> even, even he when did. Everybody else was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and look at every festival we have downtown. Every single one of them are centered around drinking. Name one that's not, right? Yeah, yeah. And sounds like my house. but how are we okay with all of that but we're not okay with other things or sticking our neck out for other things i mean well Brittany, you are an inspiration or a uh, problem or a thorn in somebody's side (laughs) you are such a problem (laughs) yes i'll take it (laughs) and an inspiration that's what my dad says yeah well (laughs) to me the problems you create are inspiring because um you know, if if you don't paddle, the boat's just going to run into the rocks. Right. So you know, we gotta we gotta think ahead and paddle and and look out for what we're doing and um and make good trouble and make good trouble. I think that's <laughs> that's a great song. It's either Dolly Parton or Jack White. I can't decide, but um, but I just know it to be John Lewis. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Uh, you're talking, yeah. And I I want to say thank you uh, for being on our podcast. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you for thank you uh, for having me. For beating me in the wrestling match of trying to pay for my beer. <laughs> yes, um, thank you for the mountain candy. You're yes. so welcome. And come out and see us at Pride this year. 
Yes. We're so, expecting so, 15,000 so people. So give dates and say information. Okay, Pride this year is June. It's Stonewall weekend, but it's June 17th through the 25th. It's eight days long this year, and we're expecting crazy 15,000 people. Wow. So come out, support it, sponsor it. Just be there. Be present. Let the city know we, we care. Perfect. Um, that's great. Mercantile is right here on, um, what are we on? East White Street, 153 East White Street. 153 East White Street is a gorgeous building, two stories, cafe, amazing store. Home of two Shepherd Fairy murals, hello. Yes, I know, which is like, amazing. How do we have that? Yes. Great Instagram photo ops. Yes. Yes. Great staff, people hanging out here. Just a wonderful, wonderful place. Amazing coffee. Amazing, amazing. coffee. The most sugar-free um, options in your coffee, I know personally, and get the oat milk and the cold brew and the mm. sugar-free mm, vanilla. Mm, delicious. Mm. Good stuff. Best and coffee. Tons of non-alcoholic beers and wines. Like, come do it up. Exactly. We're what here to support said. all people. Yes. <laughs> Even non-alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> we might point at you and scream, <laughs> but you're but you're welcome. Everything bagels. Everything I got bagels. all the bagel information. I'm a bagel person. Have you had the bacon, egg, and cheese with jelly yet? Mm, no. You should. I should. That face is the Oof. face everybody makes until they have it. Yeah. That's how my Rock Hill mama made it for me. <laughs> with some cheese and cinnamon my toast. Rock, my Rock Hill mama used to make, I don't know, can you, can you say hoe cakes? I think hoe cakes. cakes. Yeah. You ever had hoe cakes? I'm, I'm not Rock sure. It was a hoe cake. Is a hoe take a hoe to a hotel? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's yeah, what my that's just how mama used to do. Tell everybody, mama. even the mayor. <laughs> my rocket mama used to make me um peanut butter and marshmallow cream sandwiches. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Did y'all ever had like cheese toast and cinnamon oh. toast? We were poor. No, no, I absolutely had that. That was yeah, that was in there with the oven. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so well, we, our, another podcast. What's your mama make you? Our Rock Hill Mama menu will be coming out next Thursday <laughs> with all kinds of treats uh, that you can enjoy here at Jackass Cafe. And so, again, I'd like to thank our guest, Brittany, the most awesomeness, Kelly, uh, for having us here at the Mercantile and talking to us about social justice and things that are important. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. And, um, Silent Micah, I would like to say it is a little difficult for us to podcast while you're talking the whole time, but that's okay. Um, we did miss you and hope you're feeling better. And uh, silent yet talkable Chris, good job. Thank you. I struggled. Yes. <laughs> I think it's going to work. All right. Peace out, yo. All right, bye.